Welcome to Untangling Christianity. On this show, John and Greg attempt to diffuse destructive ideologies, unsnarl confused ideas, consider love and truth in Christianity. I'm John Polstra. And I'm Greg Monteith. So I want to go farther with this whole idea around someone's doing the best that they can and that we should honor that. So last time you pushed against that, you used the example of the accident death of your father and your brother. I know we've talked about it before and you've kind of pushed against this idea, but I'm, I don't know. I still think there's merit in the idea and I want to kick this around a little bit more. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm also very reluctant to kick it around because, um, I don't know. I'm afraid that someone will hear something that I say is insensitive to your situation or to someone that's, had similar things happen to them or that they've experienced similar things. So I'm a yeah. little trepidatious, but you know, we'll just kind of see where this goes. How's that? Well, well, that sounds good. And you know, let me just, I'll just put out a little, a little blurb in terms of my view on this. Like on the one hand, I do want to take things out of experience. I want to say that what we experience has a value to it a value for how we understand the world and ourselves. And some of those, you know, denser experiences, if you like, uh, can have significant value. But on the other hand, I think that anytime we make anything completely sacred, so nothing's completely sacred. The Bible's not completely sacred. Why? Because I'm always coming to it. I'm always interpreting it. I don't have a, you know, God's not showing up on my doorstep and said, uh, we're doing Matthew today, Greg. Here's how it is in Matthew. Don't get this one wrong. You know, that just doesn't happen. And I don't have the ability, you know, and I've got like some big time commentaries on my bookshelf. They're thick and they're heavy and they cost me a lot of money. And I sure as heck haven't read them all. But if I want to know what a couple of verses are looking like or, you know, what's going on there, I'll go to these guys. But even there, you've got, you've got, Various people who are very skilled and very scholarly and I think fairly dedicated, but there's still disagreement, you know, not, not wildly, you know, we aren't in wild disagreement with each other necessarily, but this idea that we can, we can hammer something down and this is the right way to go and it's the only way to go. And this is the other idea, this whole idea of like polysemy, many meanings, poly, many, semi, meanings, many meanings, right? There can be more than one meaning. So I might have a really good way of seeing it, but there might be a couple of really good ways of seeing something, depending upon what we're talking about. So, you know, the idea that my experience is sacred or anybody else's is sacred, you, you just can't question this. Well, I think that's bunk. You know, you can question it and, and we'll kind of get into a dialogue and see how it goes. So I would just put that out there too for anybody who's had difficult situations, you know, dense experiences, whether that's grief or loss, abuse, etc. These are potent things. They're really important. They're not trivial. But that doesn't mean that you've got a lock, you know, you've, your view and your understanding of them are a complete lockdown on them, just like mine are not, right? I think the reason mine are, are, are more valuable, if I would say more my understandings of them are valuable, is because I put some time into them and I've bounced them off other people who are educated and knowledgeable in these areas and who have given me critical feedback, you know, and said, Hey, I don't know about how, I don't know about that, Greg, or yeah, maybe I do think that that's a, that's a good way of seeing that. So just a little preliminary comment. So the idea that, that I like, I like it actually came up today and in an interaction with some coworkers where 
I was getting really, really, really angry because of the way that things were going down. Mm. And it occurred to me at a certain point that the interaction would probably go a lot better if I assumed that this person was doing the best that they could. Right. Or that given what they had to work with, they they were putting the best foot forward as opposed to assuming that this person was just a total jerk and intending right. to be a jerk. And so I still think that has a place. I still think that, I mean, we, we, mm-hmm. I, mean, I like this example. I think we used this before. I said, you know, you, you, you're in, you're, you're driving in a car and someone cuts you off and instead of getting really angry at them and yelling, you idiot, you know, assuming the best of that about them, you know, they, they were having a bad day. Their kids were fighting in the back seat or something. And so they had no intention to run you off the road. Now your mm-hmm. critique of that, I think in the past is, yeah, but say they run you off the road and, and someone dies as a result, you know, were they really doing the best they could? And I don't know, to me, it's like, well, they didn't do it on purpose. <laughs> it doesn't make it. It doesn't make it any better. But do you see where I'm going? I kind of do. And I so, do. and so, to really push it to like, so I wonder if there's two. Well, I have two thoughts. One, I wonder if there's two categories. The the more like work like situation that I'm talking about. That's um, the the stakes are not as high. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if there's kind of that category. And then there is this other category where um, evil is involved or just like really more detrimental stuff. Mm-hmm. But even in those situations, I wonder if, you know, like you would say, well, your father wasn't doing the best that he could. I don't know anything about your dad, mm-hmm. but I don't know, given all of, his background and stuff and things that happened to him growing up and all this other stuff. I mean, is it possible that maybe he was the outcome was, the outcome was horrible, but like it's, but see, and even in saying that though, I feel like now I'm just discounting you. So I don't, where do you go with that? No, no. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. Well, I think one of the things we want to be careful about, and I certainly want to be careful about, and I would advise others to the same way, is that the notion of responsibility is always there. You know, I'm always responsible for my actions. And I think what tends to happen when we sort of say someone's doing their best is there's this sort of reduction in the level of responsibility. You know, they're not, they're somehow not, um, okay. I see where you're going. I, yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. They're guilty, but not responsible. If you like, you know, they did it. No one's arguing. They did it. No one's imagining. And and they might stand up and say, yes, I'm absolutely responsible. I did this. Right. And I guess, so if I take my father in that example, right. Um, I would say, you know, I, I came to him. And we went to, you know, and I'm not talking about the accident. The accident, I mean, I can't, I can't follow up on something that somebody, that, that where somebody dies. I have no, I have no recourse to follow up, right? He's dead after the accident. 
he can, you know, there's no, there's no getting his opinion, whether I'm going to like it or believe it doesn't matter. But let's say something different, right? Let's say in terms of my own, you know, the familial abuse, Uh, that's one of those things where I did push back and I said, Hey, you know what? This happened. And I had a, you know, this is, this is, this is an extreme situation and we may not have talked about this. It's funny to me, the different things that you and I have talked about, I just (laughs) think I've talked with you about everything. No. I, just, I just assumed I've given it to you all, but I think this one I might, I might have missed too. But, you know, I had one opportunity where he was willing to come to the counselor's office and he and my mother came and it was he, my mother and I and my counselor. And at, by this point, I had been seeing this counselor for, I don't know, somewhere between four and eight months. So long enough, long enough. She she knew what was going on. You know, I had a, was getting a sense of what was going on. She was a specialist in, um, uh, she, she'd worked in the prison system for many, many years um, and was also a specialist in uh, sexual abuse. And I remember one of the, one of the clearest things I remember is, is after this meeting, you know, she and I kind of did a follow-up. Now, my father just kind of put the whole thing, you know, threw the whole thing away. I won't come. This is useless. This is, this person's completely off base, blah, 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 blah. And, um, you know, I didn't have a really good sense of what had happened during that meeting because I, I, one of the defense, you know, mechanisms that tends to happen to people who are in, you know, highly abusive situations. One of them is that they, they just, they just, everything goes, they, they just fog everything over. They don't remember very much at all. And I remember talking with my counselor at one point and uh, in this follow-up to, you know, the, the, the meeting with her and I and my parents. And really, you know, my, my mother didn't say hardly anything. Uh, it was my dad saying everything. And, and you know, there was me. And she's, she's trying to sort of, you know, open the subject up. And uh, anyways, at, at one point, she just stopped me. And she was not like this typically. But she just looked at me and she said to me, Greg, your father's one of the most evil people I've ever met. And I was just, you know, at that point, a lot of things started to click, you know? Um, well, it's kind of unusual, too, for a therapist to make a judgment like that, too, isn't it? I think it is. Usually they're more like, well, how do you feel about this? And what do you think? Like, to be that yeah. direct is unusual, I would think. I think it is. And I think she was doing that or she did that in that specific occasion. A, because she just had this contact with him. B, because I wasn't connecting. You know, I'm I'm still at a distance from this. I'm still being, my defense mechanism of, of kind of fogging over was still kind of, um, you know, really um, firmly in place. But, but I mean, I think her comment is, is borne out by the weight of all of the experiences that I had both before and subsequently, you know, with him causing the accident and the, the, the number, numerous things that he did. Um, so I, I guess on the one hand, there's responsibility, right? And on the other hand, it, it seems to me that if we're saying that someone's doing their best, yeah, I guess there, there are different categories, Right. But such as, you know, everyday situations or, you know, something that's really evil. But I think at any point when we come to someone and we say, hey, you know what? 
this happened, right? There's a, there's a history, I guess, of interaction that I have with my father. And I can point back now that once that happened and she made that comment, that was kind of like something that was like a, a hammer that came and broke the ice for me. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm seeing things differently and realizing, yeah, I've seen this all the way along. I've seen this, this kind of, this domination and control and just some very significant um, um, modes of manipulation and, 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 and power being exerted. And not, not in the way that you might say, you know, a parent might have power over a child. No, we're not talking about that sort of normal sort of hierarchy, depending upon the age of the child, of course. Um, but that when you're in that situation, you know, or if you ever had a chance to talk to that person on the road who swerved in front of you or who whatever, you know, typically you're going to get a response back like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. My kid threw something at me in my car and this happened and blah, 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 blah. Or you, you know, you're going to get something back. Yeah. Or I just thought of another one, like, you know, sorry, was a total jerk to you in the meeting. I had insomnia and I couldn't sleep last night or my kids were sick or something. And so I just was not running on a full tank of gas. Yeah. And I guess there's the doing your best you can where I think that just has to be tied into a willingness to value the other person as another being. When you don't have that, when that's absent or that's been undermined somehow, on the one hand, I feel sorry for that person. So in other words, I can still feel sorry for my father. I, I, I feel badly for him. Um, in addition, of course, to feeling badly for me, to feeling really angry at him, to loving him. I mean, it's a very broad sort of concoction of different emotions and responses depending upon how I set my perspective, right? It's been a lot of years after the, these events, so I've had a lot of time to both cool down and also gain some perspective. But when you don't have somebody who's willing to engage in that way, I don't think that that category of doing your best even makes sense. No, I'm and fine you, with it. Yeah, uh, that. Yeah, I'm fine with that. And I'm, I'm, and I'm also okay to say that, you know, and, and I'm not sort of saying that that's not a definition of evil, right? I'm not offering you another definition of evil. So I would say, too, that there are some people for whom, you know, other people through whatever, for whatever reasons, whether it's somebody like my father, where I would say, yeah, there was a long, long history. I've learned some stories about some of the uh, other people in my father's history, his mother and other people. So I've learned stories and, and information about them that are extremely uncomfortable and questionable in this whole direction of sexual abuse. So I can see and track a long history, you know, which has basically ended with me. It's not something I perpetuate. And it's taken a lot to be able to get to, to free myself from that. That's a lot of time and effort. And I think that's a, it's one of the huge achievements of my life. Um, but I'm not offering you another definition of evil there. I, I do think that, you know, evil is, is a lot to do with outcome. I mean, I can flip somebody off or I can, somebody can be, somebody can be really kind of insensitive in, in a, I don't know, at the gym or at the supermarket. And that's not evil, but I think that their orientation might very well be what I'm talking about. They have no sense of being able to value the other as another person and therefore, uh, this whole idea of they're doing their best is just 
Yeah, I would. Yeah, I, now I want to. This helps to talk about. I want to just use it as a starting place, giving the other person the okay. benefit of the doubt when you don't know anything about them, because it's sure. really easy to just say, "Oh, that person's just a jerk." At their core, they're just a jerk. Well, I don't know anything about them. All I know is mm-hmm. that they uh, they moved into my lane and they almost hit me, or. They were really rude to me on this phone call. I've never met them before, but it was just a really rude exchange, and I didn't feel like I was valued at all. It was all about what they needed, and then the call ended. Right. So I'm talking about those situations. That's would, that's yeah. where, that's that's where I'm wanting to advocate that. I guess. Yeah, and I, I would totally agree with that. You know, and in that that situation with the car, I mean, my my first response is. You know, fear, which comes out normally as anger. And my second response is, I've got to get away from this guy. I don't think they're safe. Right. Or I don't know what's going on, right? Which is wise. And, yeah, which is wise. And at the end of the day, you may or may not remember it. And then, but it's one of those things that just remains undecidable. You'll, you'll never quite know. Yes. And so what are you going to do with that? Like, are you going to hang yourself up on that? Is that a hill to die on? And I would say, no, it's not. And right? that's where I think that's where I think there can be value in giving the person the benefit. In other words, if you're giving yeah. the, benef- the person the benefit of the doubt in the positive sense, it's a lot easier to let go of it. Yes. Versus the, can you believe what happened to me today on the way to work? And this person did this. And they're such an idiot. And, you know, you just, just, oh, it, yeah. you just keep hanging on to it. Yeah. And it just, I think that's a way of life for some people. You know, and they, they see like the world is out to get me or, you know, um, other people just aren't smart or they're not caring or they're not sensitive, whatever. Yeah, I, I would completely agree with you. I think my my big hesitation is that particularly, uh, um, you know, I, and I'll say this, uh, but in my experience, particularly in evangelical Christian circles, this way of thinking tends to be a blanket uh, approach to any situation because people, A, they don't want to deal with conflict. B, they don't want to feel upset or they think they're always supposed to be nice or happy. And not being nice and not being happy is not Christian. Or, you know, C, I think the the, the really sad reality of, of both of those first two is those things constitute not loving other people. Because other people do make big mistakes. I make big mistakes. You know, sometimes I make little mistakes and I don't fess up them. And sometimes I make big mistakes and they hurt people. So I guess I just see this as I would completely agree with you. And in my daily life, John, I, I live my life the way you're, you're talking about. And, you know, if I come across somebody and that person, whether it's in the gym, whether it's at the, you know, local event, just say, okay, I'm not too sure what's going on here. You know, and if I don't need to kind of re-engage with them. I certainly don't see difficult people as being my mission in life. Like, you know, kind of re trying to, trying to kind of integrate with difficult people. There are so many people in the world who I think want and need um, to engage well that trying to really force matters with people who don't, you know, as you say, like if it's the wrong time, if it's a bad day, then that's, you, you'd, you'd respect that. Maybe it's a bad season or a bad year or a bad decade for somebody. And some mm-hmm. of us go through things like that. You know, I know when I was doing all the follow-up from all the counseling, 
um, that I had undergone for, you know, um, my childhood, uh, the grief, et cetera, after my father and brother died. I had years there where I was just, you know, I was shades of black and gray. I was not a happy person. I was not probably the best uh, conversationalist or anything else like that. And I would have left me alone. Said, hey, uh, that guy's doing something. Hope, <laughs> hope it works out for you, my friend. But, you know, or if you're in a church setting, I'm not suggesting that, that we only work with Christians, only engage with people who are happy or polite or pleasant. But, but trying to force somebody to do something that is um, not, that by all appearances is counter to what they seem able or willing to do. You need to really think twice before you you embark on that. And I would really want to know the person in the situation before I made that type of commitment. Totally fair. Okay. Yeah, and I'll be clear. I don't think I'm very good at this either, by the way. It, <laughs> to me, it's an ideal. I think I know, I think I think it's easy for me to, to do the snap judgment. And then it's right. not until a little bit later that I'll be like, you know, you don't have any information here. Like huh. what? Yeah, like I'm thinking of a, an interaction that happened today. And yeah, my, my, my snap decision was, well, this person is just being this way on purpose, hmm. but mm, yeah, a little bit after the situation, it's like, well, I don't know, maybe they're not, maybe, maybe they have good reasons for being the way they are. That doesn't mean I have to like it, Yeah, but I don't know. Well, it does feel really uncomfortable, you know, when, particularly if it's not just some random event where it, you know, we're, we're, we're social beings and communication is a huge part of what it is to be human. And if you have no, no interaction, if, if the best you can do is you're in a car and maybe you can honk at somebody and they can honk back or you can't really understand anything. But, but if you have a conversation with someone, you know, if you're able to lay things out and have the time to engage and you still come away from that with the sense that, oh, you know, something's really wrong here. I think that's a different a different matter, you know, you can kind of make more of a judgment based on that. And and again, I think you're right that you, you often can't get to, like if, if you and I aren't connecting, we've got a friendship and we would, we would kind of get to the bottom of why we're not connecting. But even I guess if you're having a conversation with somebody and you don't know them, you can get some information, but you're not going to get the whole picture. Right. So, yeah. So what were you thinking I was thinking about that whole idea? Mm. Well, I just remember the times that we've discussed it. You've come out pretty strong on the, you know, is that person that accidentally drifts into your lane and causes your car to roll over really doing their best? <laughs> and I think I've had this conversation with someone else too. And I was like, I always was like, oh yeah, I guess you're right. And then later I'm like, well, wait a minute. I still think there could be some merit to this idea, but I think we've fleshed it out pretty good. Okay. Well, you know what? I, I want to throw one more thing out there before we, yeah. before we, we throw close away. it. And I think that would be a difference between offering benefit of the doubt and what we're doubting about versus they're doing their best. So I guess maybe what I want to do is I want to change the terms. I don't like, I certainly don't like... Doing you know, your, but you don't like that at all. <laughs> well, I think of how many times do I do, like, what exactly does that mean? You know, I work hard. Okay, Greg works hard. Well, sometimes Greg actually should, you know, sit on his butt and not work so hard because he has a tendency of working too hard. That's my problem in life, one of them. Um, so 
that one's a little tough, but I guess it's sort of oh the idea that does anyone does anyone ever just go around and not do their best? Is that well, I don't know. It's more like I I don't know that I can it's not sort of me looking at them and saying they're doing their best. It's me looking at me and saying what's going on and what what's important in this space for me and then what seems to be the best thing to do in this situation. So the situation would include me, them, and the context we're both in. So, you know, if somebody sort of cut me off, they pull right in front of um, me in a parking spot and whatever, they get out and they kind of run into the store and it's, it's maybe it's glaring or something. I live in a small town. So anytime brakes squeal or horns honk around here, that's a big deal. Unlike a big city where you wouldn't even notice it, right? But in that context, I might, I might, you know, I think we're often hesitant to actually engage that other person because we don't want, we don't want the conflict. We don't want the potential for conflict. Whereas maybe the best thing for me to do is, would be to say, um, hey, I'm not sure if you noticed, but um, when you pulled into the parking spot there, I was actually pulling into that and I had to slam on my brakes to avoid hitting you. And I was actually pretty scared that I was going to hit you. And I, that felt really uncomfortable out there. And, you know, maybe just leave it at that. I don't know what they're going to say. But what would be the reason for doing that? Because I would look at that and be like, yeah, what are you going to gain from it? They're going to be like, well, sorry, you were scared. See ya. <laughs> See you later. Yeah, and that might be all I get. But I think that there's something inside of me that constitutes valuing myself that, um, that part of valuing me is in certain times bringing this, this type of thing out and making the comment, you know, and realizing I'm not going to get satisfaction. Like I don't even know what satisfaction is. I think satisfaction probably is just making the comment and being honest about it. You know? Oh, okay. So in that situation, you're kind of honoring yourself. You're, yeah, you're, I, th- I think so. Not in, a, not in a narcissistic way, but just in a way that just says, I value who I am and I'm going to stand up for myself by just letting this person know how this, how I experience this. Yeah. And the flip side, which is also, I'm valuing that person in the sense that, you know, maybe this guy, like I've, I've seen some of the, again, because I live in a small town, um, you can identify people who tend to drive in certain ways or tend to appear at certain places. Like I know the people who go to the gym. I know the people who, you know, I run into the same people when I do this or that. Maybe this person has never got that kind of feedback before. So what would happen if I gave that type of feedback and then, you know, two weeks later, somebody else gives some feedback and somebody else gives some feedback. Now, maybe if that person, as I mentioned like earlier on, if they have no sense of valuing other people, if other people aren't entities who are as valuable as they are, then my feedback means nothing to this guy, probably. But, you know, I know in my own life that receiving feedback like that has been extremely valuable. So having people come to me and tell me things about myself has really been important. Usually it's been in a context of a relationship, even if it's a professional relationship like a counselor. But that doesn't mean that there's no chance that there's going to be an impact if it's just sort of a... Uh, a casual sort of, I don't even know you, but this happened, you know, and I actually, I found that really um, worrying and upsetting. I, I, I was frightened and, or I was um, really off put by that. And I don't like feeling like that when I come into the grocery store or I'm driving my car in the parking lot. So I guess it's, 
thinking that they're doing their best is okay. But when you live in a context where you have the possibility, I guess, of having communication and uh, I don't know, I'm hesitant to say it this way, but when there is a relational component to your engagement, I was going to say when you can build relationship and I don't think it's really about that, but there's a relational component because I see a lot of these people, if not day to day, I see them week to week and definitely months to months. And if I don't say anything, then I know that I'm just going to get more angry. I'm going to get frustrated. Sometimes I might, you know, act out of that as opposed to on the one hand, honoring myself. And on the other hand, saying to this person, you know, here's some information, right? And um, hopefully that information can have some impact. Maybe it was just a one-off, right? And the guy will, or the woman will, will sort of be, oh, gee, that was kind of, I guess it didn't go too well. But maybe it's a way of being that they have, you know? And I think a lot of times we just, I think maybe what I'm getting at is part of what it means to love your neighbor is to be upfront about some of the things, some of the rough edges where you and your neighbor, quote unquote, um, where you connect. And I, I guess I think a lot of that stuff just gets swept under the carpet. We don't, we're not really good at dealing with conflict or situations that we think could be conflictual. And I guess I've seen a lot of people hurt, particularly in church settings, again, where conflict is kind of low level, nothing happens, nothing happens, nothing's mentioned, nothing's mentioned. And then all of a sudden people do radical things, you know, and I, these are radically negative things. So, you know, like some of the things we've discussed with the small church in my area that um, my family and I were at one point a part of, and then hearing the other stories from other people come out who have been hurt, you know, through their engagement with this church and, you know, hearing there's always some sort of conflict that, that was part of the, the situation, whether it was perceived that way at the time. And then all of a sudden it just, you know, it, it comes to a head with a kind of force and power that ends up being really destructive. I guess I had more to say about that than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Can we play the funky music? Yeah, let's play it. Thanks for listening to the Untangling Christianity podcast. Notes and links for this episode are at untanglingchristianity.com. We welcome your thoughts and comments both at the website and our private Facebook group. If you'd like to join the private Facebook group, let us know your email address in the sidebar of the website to receive notes and links for each episode, and we'll send you an invite to our private group. Or you can send your thoughts or request to join the group by email. Send those emails to feedback at untanglingchristianity.com. Music on this podcast is made possible by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com and is licensed under a Creative Commons license. Tune in next week for a new episode.